Aloha, and welcome back to the Healing Laughter Podcast, the show where we talk about all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Katie Utterback. I'm a certified narcissistic abuse recovery coach at Elevated Aura, an international holistic coaching firm specializing in helping survivors of toxic relationships learn self-love and how to live their best life. I haven't exactly been feeling like myself recently. I've been feeling weird. I shouldn't say weird feelings. These these feelings are not weird. They are normal feelings that every one of us has felt before, like anger, jealousy, resentment, sadness. But they felt weird and foreign to me because for so long, I forced myself to stay in this good girl box where I didn't let my feelings, my drama spill out regardless of how low or high I felt. Those of us who are trauma survivors, those of us who live with anxiety or who know what it's like to be nervous or reluctant to put our true full selves out there, we know from experience that when we feel off or anything other than complete joy and excitement, it can be a scary place to be. And that's for a multitude of reasons, but the one that I want to share with you today is about the in-between. That feeling of, I'm not sure what's going on, but I know something is off. I know that my body, my memory, something inside of me is churning. So the reason I'm bringing this up is last week I felt off as well. And I actually recorded a whole podcast episode about feeling off, but I opted to not publish that episode in the end because when I went back and I listened to it, I didn't agree with the conclusion I had come to for why I felt off. See, last week I was staring down the barrel at an upcoming holiday that I I knew was triggering me, um, and I assumed it was triggering all of these weird feelings inside of me as well. So this past weekend was Father's Day, and as someone who is estranged from my family of origin, I've really grown accustomed to this ritual of feeling off, looking at the calendar, being like, okay, yep, there was that holiday or that birthday or that event or this memory coming up or happened recently. And once I realize the connection, I'm able to just kind of process things a little bit easier and then move on with my life. So I started this ritual practice the first year I went no contact. So in my recovery coaching program, I call the first year someone goes no contact the year of first. And that's because when you're literally experiencing life without someone, or in my case, more than one person for the first time, it can be a little bit challenging. So this idea of the year of first comes from the Victorian era belief that the grieving process lasts for at least one year and a day. And that was because even if the person you love died on January 1st, those feelings of loss will be super raw. The first Thanksgiving, Christmas, Valentine's birthday or anniversary you have without this person. So while we may still miss that person when that anniversary or holiday rolls around every subsequent year, we know that we can survive that day because we did before. And that's why the year of first is so powerful in terms of healing. You recognize during that year of first that almost like the Wizard of Oz and the Ruby Slippers, that the power of healing, the power to feel good was inside of you the whole time. In other words, 
what makes you beautiful, amazing, inspiring, smart, and unique has been and is always you. Your worth is not dependent on any person being in your life or not. You will survive and thrive as much as you allow yourself the chance to fly. And that's even if you end up having to estrange yourself from your family of origin. Now, I wholeheartedly believe all of this, but I also believe that we're human. I'm human. The human experience is messy. And so it's not just normal. It's completely natural to have moments where you get emotional and you doubt yourself even when you know that you made the right decision. So Father's Day in that sense is hard for me because my father is alive, but we have nothing to do with one another anymore. I was a daddy's girl and now I am estranged and have been since 2019. Like, I've literally lived through and survived a pandemic, and I did not go crawling back to any member of my family of origin. So that should tell you a lot right then and there about how they treated me and made me feel about myself. So anyway, last week, once I saw that Father's Day was coming up, I immediately assumed all of these feelings I was experiencing were related to the guilt, the sadness, the anger that I have now that I'm no longer... um, in a relationship at all with my father. I'm sad that I feel like my father cares more about the children from his first marriage than he does about me. I'm sad that he's going to likely die and leave this planet while we're estranged from one another. And I'm angry. I'm angry that he put me in this position. I never wanted to become estranged from anyone, let alone my parents and my siblings. But I reached a point with all of them where I saw that They were not willing or able to celebrate anything that was different from them, anything that was outside of what they had deemed acceptable, normal, or appropriate. So I made the difficult choice to go no contact for a multitude of reasons, one of which was that my young niece and nephews had begun making comments to me about my weight, about what I wore, saying things like, We're not going to invite this person or go to this person's birthday party because they're not in our group. I actually remember exactly where I was the first time my niece told me she didn't have to be kind to someone because they were not in her group. It hit me like a ton of bricks because it was language that I knew was not naturally her own. My little love bug niece was always giving out hugs and encouraging people to join in on whatever was going on. I knew this sharp verbiage likely came from some adult in her life, and I wasn't exactly sure who, but it scared me because I have always felt like the outsider of the group, especially in my family of origin. And I did not want this us versus them mentality to continue on any longer. My husband was already feeling like an outsider. I had always felt like an outsider. And we were both really unsure how to trust our future children with these people. When I went no contact, I experienced a period of a few months where I really doubted my goodness as a person. I questioned if I was actually the narcissist, if I was mentally unstable, if I was actually a villain and not the good girl I always thought I was. Part of what led me to wonder if I was the villain after all was because I had a lot of anger. I lost my temper a lot. I would get pissed if someone made a sarcastic comment, and I felt a strong urge to punch people. 
When I started to notice the anger and jealousy and resentment, my first instinct was to swallow them. I wanted to live a happy life filled with compassion and genuinely be excited and supportive to other people when they accomplished big wins in their own lives. But the more I thought about what I was doing, I realized that I was not allowing myself to feel emotions that I had been taught were bad. But as I've learned on my healing journey, there are no bad emotions. There are just bad ways to express our emotions. So once I allowed myself to just feel the emotions without necessarily judging them or forcing them to go away, I noticed I felt much more healed, more in tune with my true self. In other words, my anger related to Father's Day and my dad, it serves a purpose. On one level, my anger protects me. Excuse me. My anger reminds me of all the times that my father failed to be there for me physically, emotionally, spiritually, and psychologically. My anger reminds me that my inner child may desperately want to work out a relationship with my dad, but my adult self knows the truth. It would only lead to more heartache. So in some ways, my anger is my emotional bodyguard. My sadness lets me know that I'm missing something that I valued, that I found important. And that's not tied to a specific person. It's tied to a connection, a relationship that I believed that I had. In other words, my sadness reminds me of what kinds of human connections are possible. And then guilt. I've reached a point in my healing journey now where I can consciously take a step back from situations sometimes and just observe the guilt I'm feeling the I should do this or the I must do that feelings related to the abuser's fog, fear, obligation, and guilt. It's quite astounding just how ingrained this fog is in my brain. I've been trying to work my way back and figure out the first time I felt fog. One of the earliest memories I've reached so far is from when I was about five years old. I was in the hospital having my tonsils removed And I remember my mother and one of my aunts telling me that I had to be brave for my dad because one of my father's colleagues lost his daughter recently. When I inquired what happened, I learned that my dad's co-worker's daughter had had her tonsils removed, but she had a bad reaction to the anesthesia. So here I am, five years old, being taught at five years old that I needed to keep my emotions in check while they prepped me in the operating room for my surgery so that my dad wouldn't feel uncomfortable. So this kind of messaging about walking on eggshells around my father's feelings continued for most of my life. As a young child, I was in sixth grade or younger, the first time I learned that my dad had tried to commit suicide before. It was after his first wife had left him. His eldest two daughters wanted nothing to do with him. And as the story goes, my dad was about ready to shoot himself in the head with his work-supplied hand weapon. But it was my brother who called him and asked how he was doing and said, I love you. That made my dad change his mind. Now, this story was repeated to me ad nauseum as a child, especially when I was a preteen. My mother would share this story with me before going on and on about how important I was to my father and how awesome he felt to be able to have a close relationship with me, unlike my older half-sisters. 
Now, I didn't understand how inappropriate this story was to share with me then, but I definitely do now. And when I look back at my life, I can tell you, I remember being told in fourth grade by my parents that I would likely soon hate them because that's what kids do. So I tried to prove them wrong by loving them unconditionally. Now, it's possible in some parallel universe that by me stepping up and saying, hey, mom and dad, I know I'm a teenager and I'm supposed to just fight you for no reason, but I'd rather just love you and create a safe space at home. I'm sure in some universe that had a positive benefit on them, but on this earth, (laughs) in this universe, that is not what happened. As survivors of narcissistic abuse, we must become in tune with our emotions and feelings because if we're not, that's when we can get into trouble. This is when our inner child can take over and go back to a toxic relationship with mom and dad or find someone who reminds us of them to try and prove that we are lovable by getting that person to love us. On my healing journey, I've done a lot of inner child healing work. I do work to show up as my own parent as well. So when I noticed that I felt weird last week and even this morning, I sat with myself just like I would with my own child, and I tried to listen to what I needed, what she needed. Was it a hug? Was it more playtime in the pool? Was it more playtime with creativity and imagination? Did I need quiet time? Did I need more exercise, food? And it was because I took the time to sit and listen without judgment that I was able to understand that I was feeling triggered by more than just Father's Day. My brother's birthday is coming up as well, and it hurts me that I have this beautiful new home with a gorgeous backyard and pool, and I know none of these people will be at any summer barbecue I'm hosting. They didn't show up for me like I needed them to when I got married either, and a big part of me still feels hurt by a lot of what happens surrounding my wedding. I'm also pissed that my sister is a bully who I believe got what she wanted to kick me out of the family. So these are really big feelings and they're valid. It's how I feel. But it's not normal or natural to essentially maroon ourselves from our family of origin It wasn't even that long ago that being estranged or abandoned was a death sentence. So when I notice these big feelings, I try not to push them down or swallow them. I try to be as open as I can with my husband. This means when I notice I'm feeling off, especially when there are triggering holidays coming up, I need to be open and honest, not just about how I'm feeling, but about what I need, what my boundaries look like. So for Father's Day, for example, I don't go on social media. I don't need to see all of these posts where people are sharing how amazing their parent is. I also don't need to emotionally cut by watching any sort of movie or listening to any music that reminds me of my dad or Things, stories that are about, you know, father-daughter or father-son relationships. So when I shared with my hubby last week that I was feeling weird, 
He asked me if it was possible that I was feeling weird because I've been happy for so long and it hasn't been interrupted by drama. So that one, when he said it, it just kind of was like a bomb went off in my head. It's been about a week since uh, he said that to me, and I'm actually still processing this comment because he could be right. Most of my life, like many other trauma survivors, was spent waiting for the other shoe to drop, just waiting for the happy moment to pop. But I'm still not sure if that is 100% it, which is why I can't help but feel like I'm in the in-between. And the in-between is how I describe that space when you've outgrown your old life, your old relationships, the old stories that kept you stuck, but you haven't quite come into your new life, the new relationships, the new stories, the new experiences. So as much as it feels weird to be in the unfamiliar, to know that my life is changing as I change, as I heal, as I grow, I can't help but smile at just how proud little Katie would be of me today for choosing to live a life where I can dance, swim in the pool, play with my puppy, watch reruns of cartoons, color cook, bake, buy clothes that make me feel good about myself, and learn more about mermaids, manifestation, human design, and the healing power of water. That's our show today. And remember, you deserve healing from narcissistic abuse because you are fucking worth it. And I love you. If you have any questions about narcissistic abuse or the recovery journey that you would like to have answered on the show, please send an email to katie at elevatedaura.com or submit a voice message on the Healing Laughter Anger podcast homepage. For any other questions, please visit elevatedaura.com.